I think the first step is talking about it. Like when you have it, share it with people. Because the, the bottom line is people will not know what you're going through if you don't tell them. Mm-hmm. like oh i'm going through postpartum depression even if they are clueless because yeah. the people that are told even though they were clueless they're still oh they were able to google it or research about it and then they can know how to help welcome to the show I am your host, Anya Fombat, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living African podcast. So I'm your host, Anya Fambat, and I am here with two of my friends who will be here to share their story with an aspect of mental health. And basically, we will be talking today about postpartum depression and everything surrounding it, basically the postpartum experience. So this is obviously in honor of May which is the Mental Health Awareness Month. And I have here with me Baolin and Agbo Eyong. And they're a wonderful, beautiful couple, Cameroonian by nationality. And, you know, they live in California, I believe. And so I'm really happy to have both of you here, Baolin and Agbo. Can you guys just tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? I'll go with you first, Baolin. Hi, I'm Baolin. He's Agbo. He's in the Navy. We have two kids, two boys. Yes. The last one is 17 months, I think. Yes, 17 months. Mm-hmm. And anything you have to add, Abo? <laughs> well, my name is Abo Ayong, and um, I'm in the US Navy, but I'm such a class. So I, it's my wife, Michelle Ayong. So we live in California. We've been here almost four years. Right. Yeah. Sure. So like Baleen mentioned, you guys have two kids. So I'm sure you guys have, you know, experienced that a fourth trimester two times, right? So can oh, yeah. you, <laughs> right, can you guys both walk us through, you know, at least Bowling, can you walk me through the postpartum experience? I'll start from you based on your own experience and then I'll go to Abo to talk about his own experience with the postpartum or postpartum experience, especially from the second child. So we had our first child well, seven years ago and then we, Practically, we planned for the second child. So I got pregnant in January and he was in California. I was in Houston. I was working the whole time, pregnant, living with Marlene. And Marlene is your sister. My twin yeah. So the whole process was good. The pregnancy was okay. I had the baby. He came to Houston. We had a baby and COVID, you know, people don't visit you yeah. with COVID. And two days after I had the baby, I had a baby on the first, I think on the on the feet when we got back from the hospital i woke up on a tuesday that was a tuesday and i could not stop crying like i was cry i had something on my armpit so i thought it was the pain yeah. so i would cry non-stop i could not sleep for nothing i could not eat just the side of food makes me cry right seeing the baby makes me cry i cannot hold the baby for more than 30 minutes, I'm like taking because then I start having thoughts like hurt the baby, throw the baby away. And first, everybody was like, oh, maybe you're just having baby blues. It's yeah. nothing. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let me go to the hospital and take care of this thing in my auntie because people are saying that it's um, due to the breast milk. Then you have that. Mm. It's like, whoa, for me. Yeah. So I went to the hospital and then they gave me that form. I filled it out. I'm like, everything they're asking me is practically what I'm going through. Um, yeah. Not sleeping. So I'm practically going through something and she told me go see your doctor go see your primary care doctor your cardiologist or what is it called your your OBGYN yeah Yeah. so I my OBGYN she's from Nigeria so I went there and I told her I was going through she was like oh you have postpartum depression 
I've never heard of postpartum depression before. So I had to take on my phone and Google what is postpartum depression, like reading out the symptoms. And some people are saying that it's going to take like six months, seven, a year, two. It just depends on how you deal with it. And I told her I was moving to California. And she was like, oh, that's not a good idea. Right now, you need your village. You need your people. Yeah. You need to be around people that you know, people that you love. And it just went downhill from then. It, I for like for the first month, I think I cried every day. I could not. It's like the house was closing in on me. Mm. I could not sit in the house. I have to sit in my garage. I have to sleep outside. Even when it's raining, I practically have to go outside to the bouncer or put the dining chairs outside and sleep there. And I still could not sleep. I was losing my mind because I was not sleeping. I was not eating. I, it was crazy. It was like the worst feeling ever. I had that mentality that you cannot tell people that you're going through this. So I, yeah. I told, tell my family, I'll tell my, Jerry will call my little brother. He'll come and watch, just watch the baby so he can sleep and I can get a little sleep. My dad, Marlene. But those are the only people that knew about it. So yeah. it got it got worse because I think we're not talking about it. And you remember the day you came over to visit? Yeah. So just like, I need to talk to somebody. Then I need to talk to somebody that understands that have been through this. Yeah. And I remember calling my pastor. He was like, what is postpartum mean? So he was just praying a general prayer because he never knew what postpartum was too. Yeah. Yeah. I called this girl from my church, um, one of my friends, Juliet. And I explained everything to her. I'm like, Juliet, I've been crying. I've like, she listened and she's like, Baolin, I went through the same thing when I had my twins. I'm like, really? Somebody that finally understands because yeah. even my family, they've never seen it. So everybody's just trying to talk you off the ledge. Like, yeah, you'll be fine. You have a beautiful baby. Why are you crying? But they don't know what's going through your mind. So she, she told me, she said, I went through the same thing. I look at my child, like I was going to kill them. I was going to kill myself. And mm-hmm. I said, what did you do? She said, I, I was praying the whole time. So she said, I'll call you every day. We'll pray every day. If you start having those thoughts, call me. Even if I'm at work, I'll come out of work and we'll talk about it. And I will call her every minute. We will pray. There are days that I, you know, I'll even just listening to gospel music or music or even just seeing the TV freaks me out. Yeah. I practically had to go sit outside in the garage and just wash cars and even with that, my husband was still scared. He was like, oh my God, I'm practically scared that you will run away into the road and stuff like that. So it got worse when I think we were taking a baby to the hospital and I, on the freeway, I practically opened the car door to jump out. And he was driving and holding my hand and trying to close the door. And he was like, nah, this is, this is, this is it. So he started calling everybody like, oh, she needs help because I'm about to take her to the psych ward right now. I cannot do this. And Molly was like, okay. Bring her, let me take her out. Maybe if she goes out with people, we went out for a dinner. The food was just making me cry. I could not stop crying. I'll practically walk out of the restaurant. And I remember Jerry and uh, one of my cousins, Mercy, she will follow me because my whole thought was just go out of the restaurant. It's a busy road out there. Just walk in. Yeah. And I was moving my whole, everybody was, everybody was confused, you know, like what is going on? Nobody have ever experienced that. I tell you, just when I get up in the morning, I'm thinking I have to brush my teeth. I'm like, oh my God, if I put the toothbrush in my mouth, I'm going to choke and then I'll die. Or if I have to take a shower or drown in the shower. The thoughts were just yeah, popping yeah. out. It was, and I went through that for about four months. There were days that I just had to drive to Maulin's house, sleep outside in her house because that was safer rather than sleep outside my house. Like I'll sleep outside in her house and just, I had a chair there. Like that was, that was when I could sleep or when my husband is taking Nolan to school, I'll go with yeah. him. And Nolan is your firstborn. Yeah, Nolan is my firstborn. He'll just pack the car because he knew that was the only way I could sleep in the parking lot. Yeah. Like, I'll sleep in that car. The thought of going back to that house, it's like every time I'm in my house, everything there was just telling me to kill myself. Right. So we, we drove to California. I think that was the longest sleep that I had for that two days drive, 19 hours drive. That I've had in a while. We came to California. I'm like, oh, okay, new place, different room. First night, tried to sleep on the bed. Same thing, had to go to the living room, back to sleeping outside. He was the one watching the baby. But before I left Houston, I told one of my friends too. I'm like, let me tell people because Cameroonians, we don't talk about this. People, yeah. they go through it, but they don't talk about it. So I called one of my friends, Vera, and she drove to the house to watch the baby so we can both sleep. 
and she saw what I was going through, how I could not sleep. And she decided to like tell the women in my church. And I don't think they understood what I was going through. Yeah. Because I go, oh, feel better. I hope you get better. Oh, I'm praying for you and stuff. So had her mother, they'll come just to watch the baby, you know, like bowing sleep. But my mind could not work that way. Yeah. And the doctor was like, okay, you know what? I'll give you some meds that will help you through this. So she gave me some pills. It makes you feel better. I didn't know that you have, before you stop taking it, they have to win you out of it. So I just yeah. cut off it completely. And that is when I finally, like, it just went, I just, it's like, I just go. It's like I relapse. Went, yeah, and it was exactly. worse. Yeah. And I'm calling Marlene. I'm like, Marlene, I, it's like, I'm getting washed. She's like, dude, you don't have to stop taking the medication. You just went from back to point one. And I told myself that, okay, I cannot keep living like this. It's like, it's like I'm going up, going down the military. They will add like few ladies that will call to check on your mental health, talk to you and stuff. And then I call one of my friends. So the whole idea, I think what worked for me is having people around me that I could talk to. I have a friend, Chantal. So what she'll do is she'll come in the morning and like, Bowling, tell me about the thought. Tell me, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Yeah. Okay, go brush your teeth. I'll be on the phone while you brush your teeth. Just remember, it's a toothbrush. She, she was just like a therapy to me. Like, it's a toothbrush. Nothing is happening. You're just brushing your teeth, you know? After that, we pray. So it becomes my routine. Get up, brush my teeth, just once by the time, pray, and I'll feel better. And then I'm sitting in the house. I'm like, oh my God, the door is falling. Somebody is coming in to kill me. Paranoia. And, yeah. And I was like, okay, I told myself I'm not going to take the medication anymore because if I take it, it's like I'll keep taking it forever. So I called my friend, Juliet. I'm like, Juliet, let's, she said, okay. I said, I want to fast. I want to like, let's just pray continuously about this. So we, she said, okay, I'll fast with you. So we started fasting and we're praying. And during that period, I was getting better. And then just a day close to the fasting, I could not sleep that day. And I called her, I'm like, it's like, today is just a bad day. And she said, it's because you're winning. The devil is just trying to play with your mind. We will finish fasting tomorrow and you feel better. It's going to be totally different. And I tell you, after that fast, I felt way better. And what also helped me was Marlene has signed me up for kickboxing. So going out and walking out like that helped my, mm-hmm. just the happy part. For, but it took me about six months to actually get to where I am right now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. You unpacked so much and we definitely will revisit certain points that you had made. And just to clarify a few things that you said, just for people who may not know. Now, the form that you were talking about is like a depression survey form. I really forgot the name, the specific name, but yeah. they always give every woman who goes back either. I think they give it a couple of times at the pediatrician's office when you go to the child's visit. And yeah. then you also go back to check yourself at six weeks or eight weeks at OBGYN's office and OBGYN's GYN again is just a obstetrics and gynecologist uh, practitioner. So they give you that form for you to fill to really assess your level of if, if, if you are depressed or not. Now, if you're depressed, they give you certain solutions. They can either prescribe you medications or they can refer you to a couple of counselors Therapy. or therapists who will help you, you know. So it's very important. They do that to all women here in America and this is specific to America. But, you know, one thing that I noticed was that they don't do that to men. Which I feel like it's a big gap that needs to be filled because the men are also there to support the women and the men equally go through the same things. Now, the women actually have the hormonal imbalances and the and downs and movements all over the place. But even though men don't have the hormones, they still go through that stuff like that. Right. And we definitely will talk about that eventually. But again, talking about the whole aspect of postpartum depression, I'm a pharmacist and I honestly knew about postpartum depression, but I did not really know the extent to which it could go. Right. I mean, our community, a lot of people could probably know about it, but they have no idea like the kind of things that could happen or how serious it can get. And I feel like that's one thing that I did not understand until I was in the same position. I honestly feel like I had borderline depression postpartum when I was, I mean, based on the survey as well, they tried to recommend me some therapists and also some medications, but I declined the medications just because I didn't want to get tolerant to it and dependent on it. But I tried to do some meditation and look for different ways to help me, which I still feel like I'm still getting out of that mental blur, but it's a very slow process and I'm being patient on myself. But the reason why I really wanted us to talk about this topic was for reasons as such, because a lot of us just 
hear about postpartum depression, but we do not necessarily understand the extent to which it could go. So um, going back to you, Agbo, you know, like I said, postpartum money has to do with men. They are not really, you know, it's, it's not, that's not usually the focus, right? They talk more about the women. And that's why I really wanted you on here because I wanted our community to normalize the fact that it also impacts men and also normalize the idea of men speaking up about such things. So it's not only about the women. I really want to thank you so much for, you know, even offering your voice to talk about that. Now, can you tell us your own experience? <laughs> oh, man. And my experience is I really do not like people. I, I will not want anybody to go through what I went through. Uh, right. It was a tough one to me. Yeah. Uh, it, it came up to me on a way like I could. I, at some point in your life, you just you, you see yourself right here. Yeah. You get up, you sleep. You slept and get up in the morning and you find yourself down there. Yeah. That's what happened. That's how I feel like, okay, what is going on with my family? Like, what is going on? Yeah. So I flew back from California, came back, came to Texas, visited my family, excited. But I noticed a difference with her. Mm. Even before, before I, I flew in, uh, See, my son was, he was uh, what, four, five years old at that time, five and a half. Five, six, five and a half, yeah. No six, seven, five. Uh, yeah. He said, I will give him all the credit. He did all the work. Oh. At, at six years old, he was taking care of his mother. Oh. When I talk about taking care of his mother, he was there. And you would think some other kids who need therapy, like him, some other kids would probably want to start acting some differently. Yeah. But he so focus. He did not cry at no time. At some point he would cry when he went to certain level of it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, he was focused. He was gentle. I was tactical. He knows he knows the moment when that period, mm-hmm. you know, that it takes in, he he knows what to do. He knows everything. So oh. right before I flew in, he he would keep me updated. Hey, daddy, mommy was brushing teeth. I was crying. Mm. She started crying before she gave birth. She would brush her teeth. She would start coughing, choking, feel like choking, and then, like, start crying. And he'll call me when I call. He knows how to use his mom's phone. He called me. Mm-hmm. Hey, daddy, mommy was crying this morning again. I was like, what happened? She was brushing her teeth, and, and I heard her crying. I said, so what did you do? He said, I just grabbed her and I tell her she'll be okay. She'll be fine. I said, that's good, that's good. Just keep doing it, okay? Everything, just call me. Call me, call my phone, okay? If you if you cannot hear me, just speak. You know when the voicemail? Say, yeah, I know the voicemail. Say, yeah, just tell me in plain plain voice, okay? Just tell me anything, and I will call back, okay? So he was keeping me updated. So when I arrived, the first thing, I was looking at her right into her eye. I like, honey, you okay? And I was excited to see everybody as, as usual. And um, that night, it was better, it was good. But in the morning when she had brushed her teeth, when I saw the little, a little, she tried to hide it, she tried to hold it on, but it, 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 something was already in there. So it came out, I like, said, I don't know, I feel every time I want to brush my teeth, and you know, it, it, this always happened. This keep happening, and I was like, I don't know, you'll be fine. Just, I know, I know you used to have this, some of this when you were you were not even pregnant, so probably just the same thing. But stop going all the way back, mouth. right? <laughs> That's what I do sometimes. The it's, gag. It's, nothing is stuck in your throat. You see, no, but yeah. every time this little mucus always come out. You know, I was like, well, it's okay. It is not there. You just going back and digging it. It's, leave the thing to be there. It's not disturbing you. Mm-hmm. So. That comes to pass. We were good after that, you know. We went in the hospital, had a baby. Everything was fine, beautiful. Uh, everything went, the the, the, the the birth was good. Everything everything was nice. When we, we, we came home, when we came home, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was okay for the first couple of days. And after that, 
she could not sleep. Uh, the first thing she started was, it is hot in here. I said, honey, the temperature is at 50 degrees. Like sometimes it goes up to like 50. The whole house is freezing. I said, first of all, have a baby in here. Are you still hot? It is still hot in here. Uh, that's what so uh, okay. I was like, okay, you you, you exaggerate right now. You, we have a baby, so go to you know, AC turn down. Then come the point, it was just going up, going up, going up. Every every episode of it during the day is beautiful. During the day should be look, look much better. You know, during the day we we will have a good conversation. You know, we have a good time, but she mm. will not eat. That's where my issue is. Mm. She will not eat. She will eat a couple bites. And my son was like, the washdog, daddy, daddy, she's not eating the game. <laughs> daddy, daddy. She'll give you every update. So she was like, I'll have an appointment, you know, to go see the doctor. So we went, went to see the doctor. Then I was like, go go ahead. I will stay. I will stay back here. I'll stay in here. You just go talk to the doctor. Then like, hey, the doctor need me. I was like, okay. So the doctor told me, hey, it's a proper expression. And with everything that you guys say, it's a severe one. But it does not reach to the, you know, to the climax of it. We can we can work it out. Yeah. And at that point, people might think we need prayers. Literally, what the doctor literally was, she said, take your medications. Those medications will help. A lot of times, we Africans, we go, we think maybe from fam- family member attacking us. Yeah. Or think maybe some traditional traditions, they have it worth to pay, play with yeah. it. Yeah. So he was like, no. He said, I first suppose we go to church. Like, yeah. No, only prayers, prayers, prayers. The devil is taking hold. They will yeah. take control. He said, I'm not going to say no to any of these points, but know that sometimes medications can also help. Medications help, yeah. So I like, you know what? We, we're going to do both sides, okay? We're going to, uh, we're Christians, so we're going to, do the same, we will do the, follow the rules, okay? We're gonna stay religious side and we will do the medication side, okay? We're gonna see, we're gonna put all together some wish to see how it's gonna work. We tried that, but there was one medication that's like for side patients. So since her sister was a nurse, it's a nurse, she was like, no, 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 no. This medication is for psychic, like real Psychosis, yeah. No, you're not taking that medication. Because she took it once, then her sister saw it like, no, no, no. Stop taking that medication. It might get you more worse. It's going to take you to the path of, like, really, it's going to make you really, really, crazy. yeah, really crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, take, you know, don't take it anymore. Then there was one that she was taking in the, or the one that gave her dry mouth. Is that? I can't remember the name. One was giving her dry mouth. It's going to help her sleep. Yeah, a lot of depression meds give you dry mouth, actually. True. So give oh, you Benadryl. mean Benadryl? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Benadryl, so yeah. Benadryl, Benadryl will give her dry mouth all the time. She cannot, she and still cannot sleep. This is how it works. Wow. At that point of my life, I was a father. I was a mother. I was a husband. And I was a wife. Right? <laughs> See? It was, it was, it was I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you this. It, that's the worst point of my life. And so, in my life, I didn't want to talk about. I don't really like talking about this situation. It, it gets me emotional right. because when I look at what I went through, my family, and up to now, I give God the glory because I know how it happened. At some point, I was like, "Wow, am I back to normal life?" Because at that time, my life was miserable. I, I turned around, looked around, and said, "What are people having six kids? Did they go through all this?" Right, right. Anybody? Go through all this. Now I have to respect the people that went through all this. But then again, I was like, no, I'm still in this mess. How do I get out? So we had the family members, like she said, the dad would come, the sister would come. She also has a job. She work overnight. Sometimes she would come and just take a look and like, hey, I have to go home. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. So she had to, you know, drive back home. The brother would come. So the thing is that during the day, she's much better. She will cry. She will cry. She will not eat. Nothing will go through her mouth. Nothing at all. So I have my aunt who came. I call my see also when I call because I do, she didn't want me to call anybody. Like call mm-hmm. make that that general call outside. Mm-hmm. The first place I said, no, I'm gonna call my aunt. First of all, I have to tell my aunt that hey, the baby's here. But then again, I have to tell my aunt what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I called her and said, hey, the baby's here. She's excited. I'm ahead, but I think my wife goes go through something and immediately she denies it. 
she drove there. She put on two masks just to right. make sure the baby that immediately she walked in, she washed her hands, sanitized again before she got the baby. Then that's what she was telling us. So she came by, bought food and everything. I I literally ate all the food. I was the one eating all the food. Yeah. You know, that's my point of view. So now, now she was said at some point, then she it wasn't helping. Mm-hmm. And I went to church and I go to the forum, I call my family, I said, please, this is what we're going through. I need help. And with that, I said, I need help. There were phone calls left, right, left, right, back, back. So they called people. So, so people start calling. They, what she did was calling. See, I'll give credit to her friend, Juliet, because yeah. when, when the family members of the church people keep calling, Juliet was there spiritually helping. It was, it, was a, it was a tough time. Yeah. Calls are usually not enough. I mean, they're yeah. a good thing, but honestly, if we're being, you know, like real, it's calls are not enough. Like we need presence. We need that is just during care. the day, though. Yeah. At night, nobody is there. So they will do yeah. all that. Then at night, that's when the episode starts. She will not eat. She will cry. I can barely sleep. I'll, I'll beg her and say, can you just, yeah, he said, honey, sleep. The one thing I'll give her credit as well, she was fighting it internally. She yeah. fought She fought it. Okay, she she didn't just give up. Sometimes she'll say, I, let me have my baby. I said, no, are you sure? You said, yes, let me have my baby. I'm, I'm, I'm a little better right now. She'll hold the baby. 50 seconds later, she's like, can you have your baby back? I was like, Aww. are you sure you don't? I was like, okay. I don't, everything was, it was, it was so bad at night. Like, she would not sleep. I would not sleep. And some yeah. people would say, okay, let's we'll have some family. Like, Jerry comes over, grandpa comes over, and she can help me sleep as well. But the point is that my presence is what she needs. Yeah. She was talking to me. She feel like without me present, nothing is happening. Yeah. So even if somebody is there to watch the baby, I'm going to stay awake to watch her. Watch her, yeah. At the end, I'm still with nasty. In 24 hours, I can have segments of sleep of 15 minutes, mm-hmm. 15 minutes, 15 minutes, you put together, maybe a half, maybe an hour, 30 minutes. Yeah. That's why I sleep. When she goes down, she's like, okay, I'm feeling better. She'll close her eyes, 15 minutes later, she'll wake up and just like, she's seeing some ghosts and she starts screaming. I was like, okay, what is going on? Everybody, so when I got the kids ready, this one baby is there, change your baby. I got the other little boy. I said, you okay. I'm, I'm impressed with him because I really have to worry about my six-year-old. He will take care of himself. I really have to worry about him. I was so impressed about him because he made it so, so easy for me. So I was, he like, daddy, I got this. Take care of the baby. I will get this stuff myself. I know where things are. I know where the other stuff is. Yeah. So he will go and get it. Going through all this, I said to myself, what is going on with me? At one point, I went inside and I dressed it up. I had to cry. Yeah. I cried hard. Yeah. A good five minutes. Hard. Yeah. Then I like, my son almost caught me. That's one thing I, I was scared because he yeah. was keep talking to me. Daddy, you okay? You've been there for a little while. I said, no, I'm coming. I'm coming right now. So that's when I stopped. So he called me at five. Probably I will I'll probably cry in the next 10 minutes. They call yeah. me a little bit shot. I know, can't do this. I said, I got to be strong. I start talking to myself and say, hey, got to be strong. There's nobody going to help you. This is your family. You got to be strong. You got to handle it. You're going to find strategies how to do it. You're going to find a way. You're going to figure it out. So I had two weeks of uh, military leave. Yeah. At that time, there was two weeks of military leave. <laughs> well, three days before the end of the two weeks, I didn't see myself coming. I yeah. didn't see anything. Of course, yeah. Oh, my supervisor. I'm a first class at the time. I called her and said, hey, um, I'm in a deep mess. I don't know if you know about it, but my wife have uh, going through some stuff after birth. She's like, oh, I heard about that postpartum. I said, yeah, the severe part of it, she got it. She, the first thing she said, how do you want me to help? How can I help you? I said, I need more time. He said, how many, how many days do you need? I said, as many as you can give me. How many can you give me? He said, hey, you want a week? You want? I said, no, well, give me a week. Give me, give me, give me a week and a half. It's going to be a week and a half. She's like, okay, I'm going to process the paperwork right now. Like that morning, I called her in, at 0900 in the morning. And by noon, she told me, hey, you got to prove. I'm like, thank you. That's a help. That's a major help I need. I need it right there. So now I look at it. 
at some point, she was thinking she didn't want to move to California at that time. She's like, I should stay with my family. I said, but you got two kids. You cannot, you cannot be here by yourself. I need not only the fact that you go be okay, but I need all of you. I need you all right now. Because I already have a home ready. I have I've prepared everything. I have a home yeah. ready for you. You all need to come with me, please. Getting all everything come with the fact that she had to leave the community where she was, the community that helped yeah. her. That was given all the help. She went back down. Oh my God. She, yeah, she went back down. She started worrying, like, oh, who's who's gonna help us over there? I said, the, Are you sure the military gonna help me? I said, Yes, we're gonna go to family free. They're gonna give us assistance. I have four calls. My supervisor already told me that when she gets you, give me a call and we're gonna do this and do this and do that. So I believe in her. So let's just go. I bet you just the, the yeah. thought of her living, her community, her family, it, the, the whole situation went back down. She started getting scared. She get get all, all scared paranoid. about it. Yeah. Paranoid. Like, I, I, I was really, really scared about it as well. But I made all the plans. I made everything ready. Luckily, her dad decided to... To come with you guys. Come with us. She... Oh man, he helped us a lot. When he came here, he stayed for like 10 days before she left. At that point, she gets better. That's where her friends with all the prayers and uh the call. Shatter. She did a good job, man. She I don't know how to thank her. After everything, prayers has a, a major role to play in this. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because it helps you keep it focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family, my mother will always call her as well. At that time, she was still, still in Africa. Mm-hmm. She will call her every day and pray with her, talk to her. Her sister in Cameroon as well, she will call her and just keep her talking. I say, I call him and say, all you need to do is talk to her, talk to her. So that thought of thinking of anything negative should go away. Keep yeah. talking, keep talking. Keep her in a mind, in a positive uh, mindset so she can she can get this, all this stuff out of it because... I was I was I was losing it, but yeah. I thank God I was strong enough to handle the situation. I don't want any man to go through all this. Yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, both of you, you guys really went through it. You know, I really want to thank you, especially for and you both basically for sharing this. You know, because we have so much to unpack. A lot of people really think that when you hear depression, it just means the person is just you know, sad all the time. Yeah, that's a major factor to that. But there are so many things that, you know, also happen, you know. And I really like when you, I mean, not that I like the fact that you cried, but I like the fact that you shared that because that goes to show your most vulnerable, like state that you were in, you know, and you're human at the end of the day. You just had to break down. Because when you were talking all through, I was just wondering, like, how did you manage to keep yourself together? Like, through all of that, like even before that, how did this affect your mental health? Because we're talking now about how the state of Baolin's mental health, but what about you? How did the lack of sleep, which is a huge factor for brain fatigue and even depression as a whole, how did that affect you and your mental health, like the whole situation? See, being in the service in the military, the US Navy, uh, you were taught how to work long hours. Stay yeah, resilient. With yes, that that resilience, that that perseverance. You got to go to endurance. You got to know how to keep yourself awake. You have know how to keep your your mindset stay focused on what you want, what you do, your goals, or what you're doing. So, with that being said, or with that training, that's what kind of moved me up because with that sleep, the number of sleep that I had and the number of time that I was awake, it wasn't easy for me. But again. Um, personally, I'm I'm a personal fighter. Mm-hmm. I always fight things. Uh, I pray a lot. So those things really also has a role to play with me. Mentally, as I said, the only thing that really kind of made me strong was I had to cry. Because when yeah. I cried, it really so relief. It aligned me back to like, hey, you need to come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to get step back and yes. Come back, get it all together. Let's get it done. This crime will not help you. Nobody's here to help you and your family. You are the man. You got this. And I said to myself, yes, I did. I do got it. 
So sometimes I don't know myself. I didn't want nobody to leave. And when the lady would get to night time, I was like, oh my God, I'm on the yeah. escape. Yeah. It's like you dreaded nights. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like that was something that I also experienced when we had the baby. Because like I had mentioned to you guys off record, my my husband and I, when we had our baby, around that same time, Omicron was Omicron. Omicron, the, the virus, that's the COVID virus, the strain mm-hmm. is actually prevalent at that time. It just, it, it was just discovered. So a lot of people had that. And literally when I had the baby, a majority of our close people had COVID. So for basically, and they just had it. It's not like they had had it and then it was getting finished. No, they just had it. So a lot of our village could not come and visit us for like almost two weeks. So those first two weeks were brutal. It was just both of us together trying to figure this thing out. I honestly did not even know about what to expect from postpartum depression. I remember, yeah, I knew about it, but even before I had the baby, like there were some classes that I took, some labor and delivery videos and articles that I had. They were always like, you know, trying to talk about postpartum, sharing all these resources, postpartum, like, why are they doing this? Like, I mean, I know that it happens, but you know, I didn't even go into read as to, you know, what causes postpartum depression? Like what are the triggers? I know it's depression after you had the baby, but what are the triggers? What are the signs and stuff like that? You know, but I kind of, you know, had some kind of reference, especially from, you know, having an idea of what you went through, Baolin, you know, I was like, okay, I know that if I start, you know, feeling this kind of way, maybe I should, you know, take a step back and really see if, you know, what's going on and stuff. But I also remember when I had the baby, I was just crying, you know, like I would cry like three, four times a day. I mean, I, my situation wasn't as worse, as bad as yours per se, but I was always feeling down. I was always forgetting to eat. I didn't even have any motive to eat. Like my husband would always remind me to eat. Even when I want to eat, I don't even know what I want to eat. Even the food people brought, I just did not want it, you know? And when you had your own episode, Baolin, I I remember, you know, because I was with Jerry at that time, like we were living together. Jerry's your junior brother. And I remember at that time, you know, he was, he, he didn't really explain it well, but we knew that something was wrong with you. But then again, I really didn't appreciate what was wrong with you at that time because I really had no idea mm-hmm. about what you were going through as a whole, you know. And then I remember we came to visit you and we brought food. I really cooked the food and everything. I, didn't, I don't even remember if you ate or anything, but I just remember that you were crying. You know, I remember one time you had to go to the room because you were just crying. And I just assumed that, you know, you weren't feeling too well and stuff, you know. I really didn't look into it that much as in this is part of the depression and this is what you're going through and stuff like that. But having maybe just experienced it a little bit with you, it really goes to show that it can get really intense and very serious. And this is also one of the reasons why I want us to have the conversation and also to know that it doesn't only affect women, it also affects men as Abo has elaborately explained it, right? So I know there are probably a lot of differences between this experience and what you guys faced in the first try, like the first time when you had Nolan. Like what aspects really caught you guys by surprise when you look at both instances from when you had Nolan seven years ago and now? Well, when I had Nolan, I first when I had him, I I was sick. I had had fitted. The doctor said that my heart had because I went home and then I could not breathe. And he, then he brought me to the hospital. I was also for a week, two days after I had Nolan. So the whole nine, uh, the whole seven months, seven years before Israel, I had to go to a cardiologist over and over and over to make sure that there's no fluid in my heart or my lungs and anything. Mm-hmm. And he had to be like, okay, now you can have another baby if, if you want to. So then with Israel, we know that I was 24. Four, right? We're all mm-hmm. young. Molly was in nursing school. My sister Mary, um, she's in the military now. She just had she just came from Cameroon then. She was living with us. Jerry was pretty young. Everybody was excited. Then the previous year, we just lost my mom. So mm-hmm. everybody needed something at that point. Like they needed something to hang on to. And mm-hmm. Nolan was that child. Like every everybody was there. I'll tell you that Friends, I barely every, yeah. mm-hmm. I I was not there. I went back to work after my mom and I was in the hospital for a week. So when I came out, Maolin was there. <laughs> they were taking turns, taking care of Nolan. I, I never felt like I was a mother. 
that point. I think Nolan started calling Mary mom before me. Mm-hmm. I was so with Israel, I had like the whole experience. So full yeah. Experience. Due to COVID again, not oh, being yeah. able to see people. All I had was work, Marlene, and he was in California. I, I didn't see you. I, I think I got pregnant. I came to California and I got pregnant in January. Didn't see him until I was having Israel. So it was just, and during, I think why, like, no one was crying when I was pregnant. You know, when you're pregnant, it's like something is stuck on your throat. Yeah. And everything you do is stuck right there. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was miserable. Then I have this back pain. And during the pregnancy, the doctor said a little bit of my meat hung on my bone. I tell you, I was dying. I could not sit. I could not walk. I could not do anything. And Marlene has to take off work. She had to, like, basically carry me everywhere. Imagine like carrying me with seven months. I think I was eight months, eight months pregnant with to do everything and then taking care of no one. So it's just, I think the home, that stress during that period mm-hmm. just carry over to when it backfired. Yeah, I was, I tell you for the two days I was not so, I was happy. I, I was excited when he goes out to drop off Northern school. That moment with the baby, just alone, me and the baby and TV, I was good until one day I was not. It's like all of a sudden it just hit me from no way. It, it's it's just it's crazy. I, I don't think it, it's caused by anything. Do you think it's caused by anything? I think my daughter says it just happens. It happens to some women. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a multitude of things, right? Because especially as women, after you know, I could relate to that your your heat that you were feeling because I'm always cold. But after I had this baby, that that drastic change in the hormonal levels yeah. kind of has an impact, right? That's a side. I believe that's a side effect because I was yeah. hot. Like I was, was hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like hot flashes or something like that. You know, because the hormones are just all over the place for the first six weeks and then they drastically drop and they just go. So you're just like, okay, your body's trying to figure out what the heck just happened. You literally unleashed a eight pounder or nine pounder body, you know, and everything is just like changing in a matter of like minutes. So things like that could potentially happen. And also it could, you know, affect even, you know, like our mood, you know, just the same as, you know, when women are going through that time of the month and stuff like that, you know, the mood swings and all of that is the changing hormones, you know. So it's a multitude of things for sure. And, you know, it's it's something that I would definitely not wish on anybody. You know, I think another thing that can cause it too is my um, prenatus, right? It was a prescribed prenatus. Mm. So I think what I read and also my doctor had told me that because the first thing they asked you is, are you still taking prenatus? What prenatus are you taking? Mm-hmm. So when I showed the military doctor, I showed, I told her that this is a prenatus I've been taking. She's like, did you stop taking it when you had the baby? I'm like, yeah, like the same day that I had the baby. She's like, mm-hmm. oh no, you're not supposed yeah. to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to for at least three months after. That's what she told me. So apparently she said that might have spiked something in my, in my hormones too, because I just mm-hmm. stopped. And I should know that my prenatus are really, really strong. Yeah. Like they are really strong prenatus. She said, Mixing with the hormones can to cause um, postpartum depression. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, so, it's, you know, it's just like your body had was driving on high on all of these things. And then all of a sudden, just take it out from the yeah. body. So, you know, that drastic change could also affect that, you know. So yeah. basically from both of y'all's journey with this, you know, and by the way, this also goes to show that you, postpartum depression doesn't only happen on your first pregnancy. A lot of people think that, oh, if it's your first, first pregnancy. Yeah. Or if you've been there, done that. Oh yeah. Are you the first person to have a child or whatever, whatever? No, no, no. It can happen at any time to any woman after having the baby. So I just wanted to point that out. Now, considering both of y'all's experiences, right? How has the basically healing been? Like how has your road to recovery been so far? I don't think I have any any recovery situation. I was just really excited the fact that I was I was able to go to work and come back to a happy home and a happy wife, you know. Right. Because very important. Yeah, I like this. It's a happy wife, happy home, you know. Right. Uh, but uh b- before then, you know, before then, when I oh, when I, it was the process, I had to hold her in the morning, give her a kiss, honey, you okay. Can I go? If you can, if I should not go, let me know that now. And I'm gonna stay back. No, no, you can go. I said, Are you sure? Are you, you know my phone? Can you still remember my phone number? And she was like, 
Are you serious? Practically <laughs> <laughs> stay in the living room and not move yes, from that she was, spot until she, she gets back. Yes, she will stay wow. there until <laughs> she would not. She they, like she oh, starts yeah. sleeping on the bed like after, after about after yes yes wow 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 the healing process I think what after the fasting and praying I got I started getting myself back and then the workout I was working out every day it was exciting I was I think my I was getting myself back and what finally got it for me was going to work so I got a job and I started working not a good yes. it was like a crazy office situation but the fact that I could go to work and come back yeah. I'm like do you know what happened to this girl my job today <laughs> right right just a change normal. of environment you know? yeah like a normal routine I'm like it's different because in Houston the workers the co- my co-workers were friendly they're there I'm like do you know I've been seeing for eight hours without talking to anybody oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm practically listening to a novel in my ear and Nobody's talking to me. They're just reading people's moods. Oh, hmm, what's this one doing? Hmm, what's this, is this one married? Just talking to myself, trying to profile everybody passing by. Mm-hmm. Helped me a lot to drive out and come back home and not just stay at home all day. That well, really helps. Talking about driving, I do. I could not. It took me a while for me to let. Uh, I was right. hiding all the car keys in the house. Yeah. I don't want to drive. Because at some point I was like, I, I can have a flashback view trying to jump out of the car when I was driving. So yeah. it, it was just playing yeah. in my head. Yeah, so it, it was traumatic. At first, before I let her drive, I said, okay, you're going to drive with me in the car. For so we're yeah. going to be driving. And okay, all right. I think you're, you're getting better. <laughs> yeah. You were driving still, instructor at that point. <laughs> it's still, I still have those moments where right now i think what it actually did for me is it brought me it brought me very closer to god like right now i if i'm feeling that way like what uh, my friend shanta did she gave me some bible verses to post like sticker notes to post them everywhere mm-hmm. if i'm passing like i'm just i'm like oh do not be anxious for nothing i'll just darling you're not anxious you're not anxious just read your bible and pray and there's this app called abide yeah really helps like if you're going through depression i'll tell people download it it really helps you have all this meditation like a lot like it calms you down mentally a mm-hmm. lot i and to talk talking to like i'll just when i'm down it's like call your sister call my only yes. yeah just call her or call i have two elder sisters back home and i realize that my siblings will start telling me about things that i don't even care about on a regular day mm-hmm. just to get the ledge like you remember that lady that was living there no, I don't. That <laughs> just that communication. Yeah. Um, three o'clock. Go go to bed. Three o'clock in Cameroon. Just sleep. No, no, I'm not sleepy. I'm not sleepy. Yeah. When you have people around you, when you when you share, because the whole thing was not sharing, going through it by yourself. Mm-hmm. We're Africans. You cannot be depressed. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's practically telling yourself to die. Because yeah. the yeah. moment you start sharing and to try to avoid people who, because some people will try to tell you, oh, I knew a girl who went through the same thing. She just killed herself yesterday. Right. That's really discouraging. And I'm like, bye. Thank you. Right. And, yeah, people have to be sensitive about what people are going through. You just have to, you just have to stay strong. Um, people go through it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my patients in the psych ward are, are going through postpartum. Now you start thinking all those negative thoughts are what you're thinking about. Like mm-hmm. for me, that's what I was thinking. Oh my God, that lady fried her baby. Oh, take the baby. I don't want to do that. Those are not your thought, but they keep coming back to your mind. So right. avoid negativity. Just stay away from anybody that is just trying to tell you about other people's stuff. Basically, right. That, right. that actually helps. Yeah, you have I'll, to be selective. Definitely. Yeah, I'm not protect your mental problems. health. Yeah. If I know that you start telling me about somebody, somebody that happens, now nah, I'm not going to talk to you. I I think I even lost my phone for a while. I He had my phone. He'll pick up the calls. If it's my siblings, he'll give them to me because right. I was just, yeah. I was just like, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for sharing that. Now, what did you both wish you should have known before having this experience? A lot about postpartum, a lot about mental health. I've, you know, I know there's, mental health but i never thought about it like hmm, it doesn't really happen to africans so i don't even blame the africans that don't know about it it's just how we're raised like yeah. our mothers are heroes they oh, can yes. have things oh yeah oh, mm-hmm. tomorrow and yep. we have so when go to the farm and carry the baby and all that 
Exactly. And then when you go through stuff like that, like you're weak yeah. or you're not, you're not a woman. How yes. will you go through post? How will you be crazy after having just two babies? Right. Like, six. Yes. And I'm fine. Right. This is, they go through it. They go, like you see some women are really angry. They are, you talk to them, they are just like, hello. I, I noticed that talking to a lot of women, a lot of women go through it. They just don't yeah. know this postpartum situation. So I think what I'll have done different is learn more about mental health in pregnancy because mine was just severe. There are people that actually gets them to do stuff. There are people that yeah. I think it's called psychosis that mm-hmm. is, is worse than the depression. It yeah. takes you for years. Yeah. Some people never get back to get mm-hmm. back to their normal their normal life. Yeah. And I'm grateful that I was able to to get back there. Honestly, I think it's always going to be a process for me. Yeah, it's still, sure. there are days that I, the thought comes and I'm telling myself that, no, no, I'm not going to go to that place. I'm not going to go there. I'll probably just carry the baby, try to distract myself or mm-hmm. because I'm a loner. So I don't talk to people a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, let me come on. Let's just gossip about somebody. Just, yeah. just for the, or say distract something. Distract yourself, yeah. Yeah, distract yourself because then you have the thoughts. Then mm-hmm. Then you tell people, like educated people, and they're like, hmm, what is postpartum? What is, I've never heard of it. That's true. Oh, African go through. I don't think Africans go through that. I don't, I'm like, wow. But I'm African. A lot of Africans go through it. It's not a race thing. It's just, it happens. Yeah. And it doesn't do, have anything to do with how strong you are or how big you are or it just happens. Yeah. A lot of Africans need to be educated on postpartum mental health in pregnancy and stuff because I realized during mine that people were really clueless. Really yes, clueless. Yeah. Everybody around me was trying to Google what postpartum was. Postpartum. So, yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Now with you, Abo, I really want to also use your own situation to pass a message on to our African men. Cause in our community, men don't cry, right? Men have to be strong. I always used to wonder right. growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And, and that makes him, you know, honestly, human. On, yeah, that makes him human. And that actually mm-hmm. makes him an even stronger man than people who doesn't because he owns his vulnerability. You know what I mean? Honestly, I thought it was always weird, especially when I go to funerals and I see like men who have lost their wives or who have lost like a child, like close people, a sibling, and they don't cry. I'm don't like, cry. Yeah, that's weird. didn't you lose someone that like, I'm crying for you and you're not even crying. <laughs> Like, what is wrong with you? You know, that's how I looked at it because I feel like, like they don't have the feeling. Yeah. Do. Yeah. And then the thing is like, sometimes some of these men actually call that stereotypical outlook on themselves yeah. because, you know, you are hurting and you don't want to cry because you don't want people to feel like you're not man enough. You really? Weak. Yeah. And if you do that, people are going to look at you that way. And that's not fair because you're human. You know what I mean? So, I mean, things happen, things happen and life happens. And we as humans, we have to embrace the natural reaction that we have to situations like that. Because believe me, if you didn't cry at that point, you probably would have done something worse. You know, crying is therapeutic. You know, and I'm really glad that you openly shared that. I'm glad that you openly spoke about this whole experience because at least it sheds more light to the fact that men, especially our African men, are also impacted by all of this. You know, our men are impacted and our men should also speak up. And our men, you know, I, I really wish that we can start a movement where we also focus on men's mental health when it comes to postpartum, you know, because men are equally as impacted. Usually, The men are the ones supporting the women when they have the baby, right? We're still healing. We still need, like the the man is literally the helper. You know how the Bible said the woman is like the helper and stuff. Like in that case, I feel like the role switch, like the man is literally the helper. And if the helper is just as if a woman is not happy or if a woman is in distress or whatever, it's like things fall apart. In that moment, if your only helper is not available for you, things are not going to work. And so just because... The men are not the ones going through the hormonal changes. It doesn't mean that they're not also experiencing the ripple effect of those hormonal changes through depression, you know? So I really, really, really want to thank you both for sharing that story and just sharing your experience. I hope that people can really learn and be more sensitive and also just embrace 
the reality of postpartum depression and subsequently seek for help because you have to accept that there is a problem and you have to accept that that is the problem before even trying to seek for help. So I really, really hope that, you know, a lot of people have learned a thing or two from your own experiences. And I, I hope that we don't have this conversation end here. I hope that we can continue those conversations and stuff like that. So I don't know if you guys have any last words to the community to, you know, just let them know what you think they should know about postpartum depression in women and in men? You know, for me, not just, I think the first step is talking about it. Like when you have it, share it with people. Because the the bottom line is people will not know what you're going through if you don't tell them. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm going through postpartum depression. Even if they are clueless. Because the people that are told, even though they were clueless, they're still, oh, they were able to Google it or research about it. And then they can know how to help you. And I don't think it just did not affect us. I think it affected, let me say, my whole family was affected. Or the people that were close. I'm sorry that I saw, I I saw him crying Mm -hmm. a couple of times. He was just sitting and crying. Mm -hmm. I saw Maureen just sitting in the bathroom and crying. Or Jerry looking at me like, I'm going to break. And then... It's a process. Jerry did cry. <laughs> Just for you. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> he'll, 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 the way he talks to me, it took right. him a while to start talking to me normally, like yeah. when he talks to me. Yeah. I, I know when Jerry is like, you know, when he's, he's <laughs> cautious and he exactly like, feels bad. He's yeah. counting his words. Yeah. Like, I'm like, we have like, just talk to me. Just stop talking like I'm going to break. Like, yeah. Are you not? Are you not? Did you, you not just it? break? <laughs> like, oh. everybody, like, my. Yeah, but everybody was on their toes. Was, my brother, he was scared the whole time. Like, he, he wants to talk to me about things that are not, you know, people start counting their thoughts. Like, oh, but he just wants to talk about something else, something irrelevant, just to distract you. Mm-hmm. And then it takes a while to get back to, to regular you. Or when you're, yeah. oh, I'm fine. You have to tell people, oh, I'm fine. Even though some of them will not believe you, you're fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, so it affects a whole, let me say, if you have a village, it affects your village. Yeah, it does so, affect the village. Even the kids, that, especially that. the kids too. And that's the one whole. thing that I learned during the whole process. I was like, I just read that if you're going through postpartum, your kids are affected. Yeah. They affect their motor skills. They affect their relationships tomorrow. And as parents, we that's one of the reasons we need to talk about it. Just even not for us or our mm-hmm. pride or I think for our kids. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you that my son, he he kind of grew more. He's, yeah, he, he's more mature. He is mm-hmm. very mature yeah. at his age. She's like, Mom, yeah. should I call him? Should I call him yeah. one? Sleep with yeah. you today. I'll sleep on your head just to watch you. He's a child. He should not have to, to be worried about me. That's my yeah. job. That's how I felt, babe. He had to step up. Just yeah. without anybody telling yeah. him, he had to step up to all mm-hmm. his response. I could tell you after today, my dad, the way he talks to me, he gets like really worried to even want to yell or yeah yeah so yeah it affects a whole bunch of people so but going through that is i always tell my family i'm like you know what we need to do we need to go to this place where they break stuff and just break things to release your anger because it is there it's it's always gonna be there that's an experience that we will all carry for the rest of our life and jerry was like i don't think i want to have a child like right now see see, that's the thing yeah. Like right now, Jerry's yeah. Like, even after he saw what we went through, you know, Jerry's exactly. baby sat. Jerry and my brother like, Musaga, they were like, "Raw, this yeah. is hard." Like, and Marlene had a little dose of it too. Marlene had a little dose. She could not stop crying. She had a little yeah. dose of it too. And yeah. now Jerry's like, he went through it. Jabi went through it. Marlene went yeah. through it. I'm not having kids. So that's a scar in his mind that is going to take him a while to to get right. So let's the whole thing is talk about it. Just yeah. share it with people. Stop when you're going through it, talk about it. Don't just keep it because a lot of people do. They don't, they yeah, don't talk they about do. it. Because they're like, oh yeah, it's just temporary. I'll get over it. But what if you don't make it past it? And you then, know? Exactly. Yeah. Then they end up hurting yourself or the babies. Yeah. Yeah. You end up going to the worst stage where you cannot even come back from it. Yeah. I'm yeah. so happy we talk about this journey because I've also told myself that I need, to talk, I need to talk about it with yeah. somebody else. Like, yeah. Who have been through it too. And yeah. Yeah, just it it feels good for to hear about getting off his chest because yeah, I hope it feels better getting it off your chest. (laughs) I don't want to talk about that period. It never happened. It never exists. I was not there. Yeah, at some point you gotta face it and you know you know actively make that decision to get over it because putting it behind or under the rug is just gonna 
sit there until one day you will find yourself in a situation that will give you that PTSD and it would be like a a flashback, like a deja vu. And then the way you react to it, you'll be surprised at how you react to it just showing that you never really got over it, you know? So, I mean, I'm so glad that you guys both, you know, came on here to talk about it. This will definitely be an episode that I hope will help a lot of people and give them perspective, give them insight. I hope the Google searches for postpartum depression will increase. And hopefully we can all educate ourselves on very important aspects like this at home and abroad. So I just want to thank you both. Baolin and Abo for coming on here to share your experience. And I wish you all the love, all the healing, all the positive vibes. Until next episode. I wish you the same too. You, you, you keep getting better. I Amen. told you, thank if you, you want to talk, I'm here. Yes, yes. And thank you so much for having us. I know. Thank you so much. And I'll catch you in the next episode. All right. Bye. Bye. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo Fombard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.